بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی علی رسول الکریم اماپا الحمد للہ چنائی از دا فرسٹ آف سپٹمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی اسپینڈ امپورٹنٹ سبجیکٹ آف سیکرٹ نالج And the last thing I mentioned was the importance of being in the company of the learned and the blessings which accrue from this. Conversely, our beloved messenger, he said, He who deceives my nation will be subjected to the curse of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the angels alayhi salatu wa salam, and the whole of mankind. He was asked, Ya Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in what manner will he deceive your nation? He Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, that he innovates and he entices other men to follow it. Astaghfirullah. This is recorded in Dar al-Qutni, Imam Ghazali Rahmatullah Alayhi in his Ihya, volume 1, page 184 of the English translation. So look at the severity of the wording. The Prophet said, he who deceives my ummah. So you're actually deceiving, you're duping the ummah of the Prophet By doing it, you get the curse of everything. Allah Ta'ala curses, the angels curse the whole of mankind. So the Sahaba asked, who is this person, Ya Rasulullah And he said two things. He innovates and he entices others to follow. So he's caused one calamity by innovating. But then not only that, he compounds it by enticing others. Because this curses, unleashes the curses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon him. It was for this reason that our beloved messenger had gone as far as to say, He is not from amongst us who acts on something besides the sunnah. He is not from amongst us who acts on something besides the Sunnah. This is recorded in Tabarani and is also Delami and Al-Haythami in Majma Al-Zawaid. So whenever you get the wording, He is not amongst us, Laysa Minna. He is not from amongst us. It means it's a major crime. For instance, the Prophet said, He is not from amongst us who does not show respect to the scholars. Venerate the elders, show compassion to the youngsters. So here the Prophet said the same words, He is not from amongst us who acts on something besides the Sunnah. Meaning the Sunnah is sufficient. You don't need anything extra. If this was not enough of a threat, then in another report it mentions, Verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most honored and glorified, has an angel who calls out every day, He who goes against violates the sunnah of Rasulullah He will not benefit from his intercession. Astaghfirullah. He who goes against violates the sunnah of Rasulullah will not benefit from his intercession. Recorded by Imam Ghazali in his Ihya, volume 1, page 1 and 4 of the English translation. So I mentioned many times that the intercession of Rasulullah are for all those who sincerely say La ilaha illallah. So 
So you sincerely guard your tawheed. The Prophet said, I will intercede for you. Then Allah said, but there are a few exceptions. And the reason you say that is because the Prophet made a few exceptions. One exception is here. Then Allah said, the one who violates the sunnah, the one who goes against the clear sunnah of the Prophet because he won't benefit. And angels says this every single day. Think about that. Every single day an angel is appointed to say this. Meaning the sunnah needs to be venerated, not to be violated. Also consider carefully the words of the venerable companion Sayyidina Anas who said, When one invents an innovation, then shaitan beautifies worship for him so that he does not correct that through knowledge as a snare to catch and to destroy him. This is recorded in Daylami and Qanzul Omal 1-221. So this is fascinating. So the beloved servant of the Prophet Sayyidina Anas said, if you innovate, shaitan sets up a trap like you set up a mouse trap to catch a mouse. He sets a trap up and his trap is you start to enjoy your worship. Now think about that. That proves that shaitan is depriving you of tasting the sweetness of worship. But shaitan turns the trap off. So you start to enjoy your worship. Why? To destroy you. One need not look further than the accursed khawarij to observe the reality of this. What did the Prophet say? Their salat will make your salat look insignificant. Their fasting will make your fasting look insignificant, etc. etc. Who was the Prophet talking about? The Sahaba. So to, to make the Sahaba's worship look small is that a small thing. But the Prophet condemned them. So why did he mention that? Why didn't he just condemn them? Because Shaitan has set the trap up. The Khawarij deviated. So what did shaitan then do? He turned the tap off. So they started enjoying their worship. Deluding themselves into thinking, look, God must love us. Because we love to worship. Our worship is amazing. So this is a trick of the shaitan. Note, the trap is set with innovations. And this is why you get innovators and they do mind-boggling worship. So, you know, you don't want to be too crude. But just look at some of the dodgy Sufis. Hundreds, thousand this and hundred thousand that. You think, how the heck is he doing that? Shaitan's turned the top off. Because they're innovating left, right and center. So note again, this is the trick of the shayateen. Imam Ghazali went on to explain, Rahmatullahi. The innovator is to other sinners. What a rebel is to the one who disobeys a king. Who may forgive the wrongs of his subjects but will not forgive the rebel who tries to overthrow him. It is like this with the innovator. Recorded by Imam Ghazali Rahmatullahi in his Ihya, volume 1, page 184 of the English translation. So, let's break it down. Why, why is it such a great crime? The innovator was likened as the one who commits the most heinous crime of treason. So if somebody commits treason, I don't know what the law is now, but it used to be hanging. Even in the late 60s, hang the one who's a, who, you know, who commits treason against the state. It's the greatest crime in the sight of you know, the law. The innovator, Imam Ghazali said, is like that. 
He deserves no mercy. We beg our loving Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from all such truly disastrous pitfalls. Amen. So now, I've talked about this so much that I want to keep you know, banging my head against the wall. Innovations, the scholars have said, fall into five categories. And some are obligatory and the other end of the spectrum, it's completely forbidden. The scholar Ibn is Abdus Salam, rahmatullahi, who invented those categories. He himself frowned upon them. <laughs> he goes stick to the Sunnah. <laughs> so look how interesting. Even the one who, you know, with his deep knowledge of the Sharia, said, "Look, there's five categories." He himself said, "Just stick to the Sunnah." You know, I've paraphrased, but that's what he basically said himself. Why did he say that? What he was saying was, why are you even bother going down here? You know, how often do people say, well, I can't think of any text for it, brother. But what's wrong with it? It's a good thing, isn't it? And this is a classic statement. Right? Then you respond by saying, if it was a good thing, there'll be text for it. So note again, you know, stick to the sunnah, the sunnah is salvation. Also enjoying to sacred knowledge is enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. So, how great a deed is this? Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, good deeds compared to jihad are just like a puff in a deep sea. Similarly, all good deeds together with jihad compared to enjoining the good and forbidding the evil are like a mere puff in a deep ocean. SubhanAllah. Recorded by Daylami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi in his Ihya, volume 2, page 348 of the English translation, in the chapter on enjoining the good and forbidding the evil. So first, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he highlighted how immense the deed of physical jihad is. This beautifully sums it up. All deeds compared to it is like a puff in a deep sea. So what's, how much moisture comes out of your mouth when you puff? That moisture compared to the sea. Can you compare? Because all these are like that compared to jihad. Jihad is the sea, everything else like that puff. Meaning jihad is an immense deed. In a Sahih hadith, the Prophet said, the peak of Islam is jihad. The peak. Then So it's an immense deed. Then he said something which many people find strange. All good deeds together with jihad compared to enjoining the good and forbidding the evil are like a mere puff in a deep ocean. So first the Prophet praised the Mujahid because immense rewards you can't compare to him. But then he said, وسلم, but the one who enjoys the good and forbids the evil, he is on another pedestal, even greater. How do we understand this? Our beloved messenger clarified further, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if anyone acquires a chapter of knowledge in order to then teach mankind, he will be given the reward of 70 Siddiqs. SubhanAllah. <laughs> Recorded in Daylami in his Musnad al-Firdos, Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi in his Ihya, volume 1, page 42, in the chapter on knowledge. So what does it mean? Bab al-ilm. It means something that you have knowledge of. So it might be something simple. For instance, the miswak. So you've learned about the miswak. You learn when is it sunnah to use the miswak. How do you look after the miswak? And you share that knowledge 
the bab of ilm. The Prophet said, it's, you get the reward of 70 Siddiqs. What's a Siddiq? The Siddiq is the highest ranked person after the Prophet's messages. You get the reward of 70. So why are you getting the reward of 70? Because it's the greatest deed. It's greater than jihad. Right? So note what unlocks that treasure, knowledge. Without knowledge, you can't unlock this treasure. We should not find these narrations hard to believe in the least. Why? Because Rasulullah sallam said, Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His angels, والسلام, the inhabitants of the heavens and the earth, even the ant in his hole and the whale in the sea, sends salat upon the person who teaches people good. Subhanallah. Recorded in Tirmidhi, number 2685, Hassan Gharib, Shaykh al stated Sahih in Sahih al-Jami, number 1838, and Sahih al-Targhim, number 78. Now think about this. Don't mention the deed. This is how you get the person's, you know, interest. Don't mention the deed. Just say this to him or her. I know a deed. It's so beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he sends salat upon you if you do it. And then before he can respond, say, I haven't finished. Not only does the Almighty and Lord he has sent salat upon you because you've done that deed, the angels in the heavens and earth also send salat upon you. Before he can respond, I haven't finished. Even the ant in his hole. Before he can respond, I haven't finished. And the whale in the sea all said salat upon the person who teaches people good. So notice what's happening. The Prophet's explaining why you can't compete with this person. If I was to ask you, does Allah Ta'ala send salat upon the mujahid? Right? Do the angels, alayhi salatu wasalam, send salat upon the mujahid? Mm. Do the ants in the holes send salat upon the mujahid? Do the whales in the sea? Mm. And the response is no. Why? Because it's not the deed. The deed is teaching people good. Now think about that. One of the greatest blessings we can think of when we think of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasalam is the verse where Allah Ta'ala says, Verily, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his angels send salat upon the Prophet. There's a verse in the Quran, in Surah Ahzab, Surah 33. Isn't that an amazing thing for the Prophet? Of course, he deserves it. Somebody goes, We can't compare, but wouldn't you like a, a share of that? Even the statement sounds like unbelief. What are you talking about, brother? You can't compare to the Prophet. I know that. But the Prophet told us, you can also get a share of this. Mm. Allah Ta'ala sent salat upon me. I'm a simple person. The Prophet didn't say, you have to be pious. You just teach people good. Allah Ta'ala will send salat upon you. Now think about this. There's a secret in that. People don't think. Reflect upon the hadith of the Prophet if Allah Ta'ala is sending blessings upon you, are you going to go to hell? <laughs> you know, Bali, Bali, Muslim, think about it. I'm relying upon my deeds. Go look, man. 
I'm relying upon the Latala Salat. <laughs> how did you get that, brother? Told people good. If Allah is blessing me, how can I go wrong? If all the angels in the heavens and the earth are blessing me, how can I go wrong? If the ants in the holes, you know how many billions and trillions, I don't even know what numbers you're talking. And then the whales, you know, think about it, even whales. We learn something about whales. Look how interesting. Because we don't know much about whales, atom, 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 all the time. We do know something about whales. They make dua for the people who teach good. The Prophet told us, even the whales, Allah orders them at the bottom of the ocean bed, make dua for the people who teach good. Where's this hadith? Sahih hadith in Dirmadi. So going back to the previous reports, can any deed equate to it? How can it? You understand? The Prophet can't contradict himself. So he's just elaborating upon this. In another report, after mentioning that the most generous is Allah, the Almighty and Glorious, then his beloved messenger, Rasulullah then said, then the most generous after me, is a person who acquired knowledge and then conveyed it. Indeed, he will be raised up on the day of judgment as an entire ummah himself. Then the next most generous is the martyr. So when I read this report, I thought, oh, hang on a minute, what? They call it in Abu Ya'la al-Haytami and Majma al-Zawaid 1-166. So who's the most generous? The person goes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't bat an eyelid. Who's the next most generous? Rasulullah. You don't bat an eyelid. Who's the next most generous? Now look how interesting. Nothing to do with wealth. Absolutely nothing to do with wealth. When you think of generosity, what's the first thing you think of? Money. The next most generous after Rasulullah is the person acquiring knowledge and he shares it. Now think about that. On the day of judgment, you'll get people who are very generous with wealth. We know the rewards. You look at the chapters on Sadaqah. The reward for Sadaqah was Sadaqah Burhan. Sadaqah is a proof of your Iman. Sadaqah extinguishes sins quicker than fire ta- uh, water takes out fire. Famous hadiths. <laughs> All deeds will boast. Sadaqah say, I'm the most superior. Umar radiyallahu said, Sayyid hadith in Abu Ya'la. That's talking about wealth. Who is more generous than the one who is most generous with his wealth? The one who shares his knowledge. Now think about that. You're not spent a penny. And you are more generous than the one who's giving you know, money, water like money. And money like water. Why is that? Because this is the legacy of the prophets. The Prophet said, We don't leave behind dinars and dirhams. We leave behind knowledge. Whoever acquires it, acquires a great good. Famous hadith. This isn't to belittle those who are generous with wealth. It's putting it into the proper position. So note again. Then what did the Prophet say? He is that great. On the day of judgment, he's an ummah himself. You're one man. You will be treated like an ummah in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ummah. How many people in this ummah? 100 billion. You know, God knows when Qiyamah will strike. But imagine. You will be an ummah yourself, the Prophet said. Why? 
Because when you share knowledge, what happens? It starts escalating. People start acting upon it. You get the reward. And notice again, you drop dead. It's still coming in, still piling in. Because people are still acting upon the knowledge you've shared. So even logically, I should get the reward of an ummah. The Prophet said it. Who's the next most generous? Now think about that. Can there be anybody more generous in terms of giving than the martyr? He's given his life. In Islam, there's somebody great. Somebody goes, what are you talking about, brother? Who's greater than the martyr? The one who shares knowledge. And think about that. It sounds very strange. He goes, what are you talking about, brother? Sharing knowledge can't be equated to a martyr. The guy's given his life. What are you arguing with me for? The Prophet said it. The Prophet said he is generous. He's mightily generous. He's given his life, which is an immense thing to give. But somebody's more generous than him. The one who acquires knowledge and shares it. Notice explaining everything from the previous reports. Confirming further, how beloved messenger said, Sallallahu in Tabarani in Iskabir 7-280, there is no sadaqah like knowledge that is spread. There is no sadaqah like knowledge that is spread. Think about that. He's explaining again. You can't equate knowledge with wealth. Knowledge is far greater. Somebody gives a million, mashallah, billion. You're sharing knowledge, which is greater. The Prophet goes, you can't equate sadaqah to knowledge. Confirming further, our beloved messenger said, sallallahu in Ibn Majah Hassan, Targheem number 61, the best sadaqah is a Muslim who learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother. The best sadaqah is that a Muslim learns knowledge and then teaches it to his Muslim brother. Tabligh. This is in Ibn Majah Hassan, Tabib number 61. So let's look at this. You're a Muslim. Obviously, you have to be a Muslim. No point being a professor of, you know, an atheist and you're teaching about Islam, getting jack off for that, man. The best charity is a Muslim and you teach it to a Muslim. Look how interesting. That's a special type of sadaqah. You've not taught it to non-Muslims. That's Dawat. This is Tabligh. So what's the reward for Tabligh? The Prophet said, Afdalu Sadaqah. I asked one of the brothers who goes on Jumad regular, what's the reward for Tabligh? <laughs> and he looked at me. He goes, great reward. Right? And then I was anything from the Sunnah or and he goes, well, it's the job of the Prophet. Right? I goes, mashallah, but is there any text or anything? I had to tell him. I goes, the best sadaqah is that you teach your knowledge to a Muslim. So when you go through the six points, you should tell them that you should also be eager to share knowledge to Muslims. So what I'm doing now is the best sadaqah. Doesn't that make you envious? You're Muslims. I'm a Muslim. I'm sharing knowledge with you. The best sadaqah. Nobody can beat it, the Prophet said. Now what's interesting, Muslims, right? Why did the Prophet you know, single out? Because you help each other. The Muslim is the brother to his Muslim brother. Right? What better help can you give them to give him knowledge? Think about that. He gave him some food, mashallah. He gave him a drink, mashallah. He gave him some, you know, shelter, mashallah. What's the best thing you can give him? Knowledge. Have you given him any knowledge? I've got knowledge myself. <laughs> you got to learn, you got to learn your deen. And in another report, our beloved messenger said, Sallallahu how excellent a gift and how excellent a guidance is a wise word that you hear. And remember 
and you convey it to your Muslim brother to teach him, this is tantamount to one year's worship. Subhanallah. Recorded in Tabarani, Imam Ghazali, Rahmatullah, in his Ihya, volume 1, page 43, in the chapter on knowledge. Look at the words of the Prophet's utterings. Very interesting. How excellent a gift. That's the first thing he said. Excellent gift. Excellent guidance. Excellent gift. Excellent guidance. Wise word. You hear and remember. Meaning you don't just hear and you forget. You you remember it. You then convey it to your Muslim brother. Not again Tabliq. Muslim brother. This is tantamount to one year's worship. If you share that knowledge, might even take a few minutes. It's equal or tantamount to a year of worship. Whatever worship it is. Brother asked me, I don't know what worship it is. Even if it's, you know, salat, you know, you're going to grumble. Only one year of salat. You know, one year of worship, whatever it is, you're going to get the reward of that. And do people share knowledge? You have to keep, you know, you know, like start the engine of minute, brother, share some, tell some, tell some, tell him, brother, oh, brother, I'm, I'm going to eat, tell him, some, tell him, some. eventually, you know what it is. Right? As if, you know, you're benefiting me. I think I'll get a year's worship, brother Jimmy, you've heard this, Adith. Jazakallah khair. Adam, you've heard this, Nepo. Just think, kaching to bank in it, mashallah. Those one of the salaf said to finish, in Tariq Baghdad 10-160, I do not know of anything after prophethood greater than spreading knowledge. I do not know anything after prophethood greater than spreading knowledge. Prophethood you can't acquire. You can't go to, you know, a sheikh and say, look, I want to become a prophet. It doesn't happen. It's a grace Allah Ta'ala gives. What's the greatest thing after prophethood? One of the salaf said, Spreading knowledge. Because he understood the subject. He gave you the answer. He goes, this is so sublime in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So note again, things that we need to reflect upon and get into our short lives. And it also proves categorically, you don't need to be a scholar. How many people come out with that bakwa statement? Brother, you should share knowledge. You're not a scholar. Look how shaitans, no, human shaitan. You're, oh, I didn't know you were shaitan. Right? Why are you coming out of Bakwas? Did the Prophet ever, any hadith I quote today, forget about, you know, in the career, today, did the Prophet say, you have to be an alim? So, Lord, these people, you know, doing shaitan's work. Well, where does it say I need to be an alim? All it says is I need to understand the subject. Be careful, make sure it's, you know, correct, then convey it safely. And there's the reward. You've unlocked everything by the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And note again, it's not what people think. People might hype up another deity. You'll see this. In Ramadan, Sadaqah, brother, Sadaqah. Come on, lads. Give Sadaqah. MashaAllah, brother. Knock <laughs> yourself out. What about sharing knowledge? Maybe in Ramadan, you know, they might come out with a you know, fabricated report. In Ramadan, the financial Sadaqah is there. Where does it say that? Right? You know, why are you hyping up another deed? The deed is blessed, but put it in the place where it's meant to be. And that's why really the people who are sharing knowledge, you can't equate with them. You know, you can knock yourself out. You can't equate to those people because they're getting things that you can only dream about and you only realize that on the day of judgment. At the same time, all of us have access to that. Think about that. You don't have to go on a course. You don't have to become a dawah, a daim expert. You don't need to get bayat. Right? Just learn something, share it. Alhamdulillah.
Og den i Christians fylder der. Subhanallah